Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Who's enjoying this series so far? This has to be one of my all-time favourite series. I particularly enjoyed the first two weeks that uh, Kath and Ashley shared because they're just so profound, so helpful. Um, Because this is what I know. Most people want to be helpful. Would that be fair to say? I mean, look at the person next to you. They're not bad people. They want to help you. And most people, in order to help, I want to offer some advice. Have you noticed that? Most people want to help through offering some sort of advice. But herein lies the problem. Sometimes good advice is not God advice. You don't agree, Norm? (laughs) He's sitting there, where's he going with this? Norm commits to nothing unless he knows where I'm going. He's a smart man. But seriously, we we like to offer good advice, but sometimes our advice is not godly. It's goodly, but it's not godly. And as a result, we don't help. We hold people in bondage because Jesus said, the truth will set you free. He didn't say your truth will set you free. He didn't say someone else's truth will set you free. He didn't say a truth will set you free. He said the truth will set you free. And so if we're going to offer advice, we can't be offering advice that is based upon what we thought God said. God either said it or He didn't. And if He did say it, we need to know what He meant by what He said. And this series is about us breaking down some of the myths that are associated with what God said. And uh, Kath did a brilliant job week one uh, that God did not say that God will not give you more than you can handle. God actually does give you more than you can handle. And Kath gave three great reasons as to why He gives you more than you can handle. Ash uh, addressed the notion that uh, God didn't say good people go to heaven. And that is an incredible message that I would encourage you to listen to over and over again to get into your spirit because it's going to give you language to help people who are convinced that they are good and so they are going to heaven. All of our messages are available to download free of charge, either on our new app, as you saw a moment ago being demonstrated, or in our podcast or our bean pod or our website. So there's multiple opportunities to grab a hold of the Word of God, listen to it again for yourself, but also to put in the hands of those that either are confused by some of the subject matter that we are touching on or are far from God, don't know God, would not consider themselves a Christian. These are incredible days in which we live and we have incredible tools, tools that did not exist 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So come on church, I believe when we stand before God, we're going to be held accountable for the opportunities that we have and the day and the generation in which we live. And so let's make the most of technology. I know that technology can be harmful. I know it can become an incredible distraction. But there's also incredible good that can come from social media and from technology. So let's, let's use these tools for good and not for evil. And everyone said, Amen. Last week I shared that God did not say He wants you to be happy. And, and, and that was, if I do say so myself, a cracking message. And so I would encourage you to get a hold of that. I'm going to say it because no one else did. Uh, (laughs) But it was a great message and hopefully will help us all to grow in God. Amen. And uh, that brings me to week number four. And the myth that we're going to address today is this. You ready for it? 
Money is the root of all evil. God said money is the root of all evil. And the reason I want to tackle this one is because left to itself, it sounds very Christian. You think about it, money's the root of all evil. Yeah, that's right. It is. Ooh. And it has that kind of spiritual overtone and, and like, wow, yeah. I even sound like a theologian when I say it. But it's right up with there with the other, uh, those other great theological quotes like, cleanliness is next to godliness, which also is not in the Bible. And God helps those that help themselves, which is not in the Bible. And so we're trying to break down the myths, the understanding that some people have when it comes to what God actually said, as opposed to what we think He said. Are you with me today? When we misinterpret what God said, we can do anything with that. In actual fact, when I was in America recently, uh, I went into a store and I saw this little tip jar and it said on it that money is the root of all evil. And they were quite entrepreneurial. And you see down the bottom, it says, cleanse yourself here. <laughs> see, when you distort the Word of God, you can, you can make profit out of it. You can make gain out of it for yourself. And unfortunately, that's what some people do. Because within the body of Christ, when it comes to money, there are some extremes. And one of them is the prosperity gospel. And that if God loves you and you love God, you will be blessed. You will be the head and you will not be the tail. You will have finance and you will get the promotions and all these kinds of things. And yes, there is a truth in there somewhere, but it's not the truth. The prosperity gospel is not the truth. There are elements of truth within that gospel, but it's not the gospel. It's not the truth. There's also another extreme to the prosperity gospel. And that's what often happens when you live in one extreme. People respond by another extreme. Have you noticed that? Someone who's experienced a bad relationship says, to heck with men. All men suck. That is not true. Some do, but, but not all men. And as a man, I don't think that not all men do. But, but some people just throw the baby out with the bathwater because they go from one extreme to the other. And because some people have been burnt by the prosperity gospel, they revert to what I call the poverty gospel that says to be poor is to be godly. And, and look at those people succeeding. Oh, how ungodly. And I have nothing to show for my faith. I have no money. I don't have a job. I'm that godly. You laugh, but people live like this and they impoverish themselves and they don't have electricity and they, and they don't have cars and, and they, they, they don't dress up in nice clothes. And, 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 and that's their version of the gospel. And within that gospel, there is some truth, but it's not the truth and it's not the gospel. In actual fact, I believe, like the Bible says, to avoid all extremes and we should live somewhere in the middle. Because there is some truth there and there's some truth there. And if we can grab the truth from there and the truth from there and live in the middle, live in the will and the word and the ways of God, we're going to live in freedom. And contrary to popular belief that the church should not talk about money, the church needs to talk about money because it's one of those areas of our lives that affects us more than anything else. It was God who said, not me. And Jesus verified it when He said, You'll either serve God or money. I didn't say that. Jesus did. In actual fact, Jesus spoke more about money than any other subject. Why? Because it's the one area of our lives that affects us more than any other area. Jesus could have said, money 
you'll either serve God or power, but he didn't. He could have said, you'll either serve God or sex, but he didn't. He could have said, you'll either serve God or education, but he didn't. He said, you'll either serve God or money. At the end of the day, the thing that's going to pull on our heart more than anything in our relationship to the things of God is money. And so money needs to be spoken about, but not in an extreme way. You don't need to hear another version of the prosperity gospel. And we don't need to hear another version of the poverty gospel. We need to hear a version of what God's heart is and what Jesus said so that we can live in the truth. For the truth shall set us free. Are you with me today? And so what does the Bible say? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. See, money in and of itself is not evil. Money is neutral. Money is just printed paper. There's nothing evil about money. It's what we do with it. Money is neutral and money takes on our personality. So if you are evil, money can become evil. But if you are godly, money can become godly. So ultimately, money takes on your personality. So if you think money is evil, it may be a declaration of your own personality. I'm just saying. Yeah, wow. I agree with that. That should be our new amen. Yeah, wow. Are you with me today? I believe, and why I'm against the prosperity gospel as I am against the poverty gospel is because if you can't, if the, if the gospel can't be preached everywhere, it shouldn't be preached anywhere. And the gospel should work on Wall Street as it should work in the middle of Africa. If it's the gospel. Are you with me? But if it's just about poverty, it's not going to work on Wall Street. And if it's just about prosperity, it's not going to work in Africa. But I believe the gospel can and should and will work everywhere. If we adhere to the truth. Are you with me today? And so in order for us to understand the narrative and to understand the text, we need to have context. Context is key. Context is king. If you want to know God's heart and you want to truly understand the Bible, you've got to know the context. Because if you take Scripture out of context, you can make it say whatever you want. And so we've got to make sure it's in context. And so I want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, but I want to look at it in a little bit more detail. So from verse 6, it says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we had food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, there it is, is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. If you read this verse about money in the context of Scripture, how do we do that? Well, we compare verse with verse. We compare Scripture with Scripture. And we will see that the big theme to this passage is not money at all. The big theme to this passage is godliness. Money is the example, but the theme, the principle, the point is godliness. Can everyone say godliness? Because in verse 6 it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. In verse 7 it says, You brought nothing into the world and you can take nothing out of the world. In verse 8 it says again, If we have food and clothing, and iPhones and iPads. We should be content with that. So the, the big theme, the context is not money at all. The context is godliness. 
See, Paul is not saying at any time that money is bad. But he is saying that there is a problem when money has us. And as I've already mentioned before, Jesus himself said, you cannot serve both God and money. Why did he bring it down to just God and money and not all those other things that I mentioned before? Because for most of us, money will always be the number one competitor of our heart. And so in short, Paul is saying this, that our desire for money will deceive us and ultimately destroy us. The desire for money will deceive us and ultimately destroy us. I'm going to look at these three things in a little bit more detail right now. Number one, Paul addresses the desire. He says, to those that want to get rich. He's addressing our love for money. Um, If I was to ask you, or you were to ask the person next to you, and I just dare you to do this for a moment. Ask the person next to you, say, do you love money? Now, you don't have to answer that. Because I can pretty much guarantee the answer would be, no, not at all. (laughs) No. No, loving money is what other people do, not me. I'm a good Christian. That's what other people do. The disciples, uh, the the Pharisees like what Jesus said. They just didn't like that Jesus said it to them. Have you noticed that? That's what makes us religious. When we like what is being said, we just don't like it being said about us. And so, yeah, I realise the big problem in the world today is people love money, but that's not me. But how do we judge whether or not we love money? What's the benchmark? Well, I believe Solomon touches on it in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, it says this, whoever loves money, here's the key. Whoever loves money, how do you know if you love money? He tells us, never has enough. Why don't you now ask the person next to you, say, do you have enough money? <laughs> whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Turn to the other person and say, are you happy with your income right now? So, so now we have a benchmark. We have a benchmark for what the love of money looks like. And it's whether we are satisfied or not. And it's whether we have enough or not. Now you may say the right thing because you're in church today. But think about what you were saying yesterday and the day before and the day before. And think about what you're going to say this week when it comes to your financial situation. You're probably going to say, I don't have enough money. I want more money. Money, money, money. There's something funny. Am I right? See, the Bible is great when we apply it to everyone else, but when it starts being applied to us, it kind of hurts a bit. It really does. You know, I had heart surgery in 2016. And I've got to be honest with you, I've, I've thought of, I've had less painful things happen to me. But you know what? For all the pain, it was a life-saving Operation, that's what I'm after. Operation. I'm trying to think of a bigger, better word. I can't. Operation. It was a life-saving, life-altering, life-enhancing operation. But I didn't like it, didn't enjoy it, and it hurt a lot. But I'm glad for that. And so if there's a little bit of heart soreness today, don't don't run from it. Let's just embrace it. If we learn something about ourselves today, uh, that's a good day. It's good. If we learn that actually I probably like money more than I give myself credit for, that's not a bad day. It's actually a good day because God wants to reveal so that He can heal. He never brings condemnation. That's the work of the enemy. But He does bring conviction. Why? Because His role is not to make us happy like we learned last week. His role is to grow us. He wants to make us more like Jesus. And Jesus was the most selfless person who ever walked the earth. Who wants to be more like Jesus? Well, if we are not there in regards to our selflessness, then the Holy Spirit is going to graciously 
attack, address, sorry, areas of our lives to help us become more like Him. Are you with me today? And this is true for all of us. I remember as an apprentice, uh, I was a young man, had my first year in sign writing, and I earned $120 gross. That sounds pretty gross to a lot of you, but I worked a full week for $120, then tax had to come out of that. And I remember thinking, man, I can't wait till I finish my apprenticeship, then I'll have some serious money. I'll have no, no financial needs when I've finished my apprenticeship. And I finished my apprenticeship, and, and I was uh, 19 years of age, and I got my first pay packet as a, as a fully-fledged a fully fledged sign writer. I'm like, oh, is that it? I need more money. <laughs> Are you with me? So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm preaching to us today. This is an area of my life, as it is your life, that we have to address more than once in our life. Are you with me? Because let's be honest, there are some days that we're really content until we get on social media. You're really content with your home until you saw someone else's home. And then, oh, that sucks. Stupid home. Look at it. It's falling apart. You used to look at those cracks and say, man, thank God we've got a home. It's got a few cracks. So what? God is so good. God is so generous. Wow. We live in Australia and I get to live in this home. Yeah, there's a few cracks, but who cares? In the context of the incredible goodness of God, oh, I'm so grateful. It's Instagram. Oh, stupid cracks. <laughs> or is it just me? Is this, only, is this just my battle? Does no one else battle with this? Are you all holier than me? You probably are. God bless you. Maybe you should be preaching. But this is my battle. And I think if we're honest, I think it's our battle. There's these things vying for my heart. And I've got to be honest with you. Some days I'm really content. Other days I'm not so content. And when I'm not content, I've got to get content again. And how do I get content again? By preaching this to me. And if you're discontented and unsatisfied and unhappy, uh, I, I want to help you through the truth of God's word to help you get satisfied in him again today. Are you with me? So this is Paul addressing the desire. Secondly, he talks about the deception. He addresses those that will fall into a trap. Why? What would cause anyone to fall into a trap when it comes to money? Why? Because we are deceived and fall into the lie of believing the lie about money and then what it promises. We buy into the fact that money promises us happiness. And money promises security and money promises significance. And so if I have more money, I'll be happy. And so if I'm going to, be, who doesn't want to be more happy? We just addressed that last week. And so because I want to be more happy and more money equals more happiness, of course we're going to chase the almighty dollar. That's the deception. That's the trap that people fall into. And you know what? I've seen the way rich people get treated. And there's a sense of significance and greatness and, and I want the significance and I want the greatness. So I'm going to have more money. That's the answer. And, and, and you know what? In this turbulent times in which we live and, 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 and there's, talking about a, there's talk of a recession and some people even saying a depression, not just a recession, but a, a depression that will match the Great Depression. If you listen to the financial experts out there, there's a lot of talk. Some's good, some's bad. And who do you believe in all of this? And man, you know what? I, I think the only thing I could really give you more security right now is more money. And so if you think money's the answer, you're going to go after it. And the moment you go after it, looking for significance and security and happiness, you have fallen for the trap that Paul's addressing. Because those things are not found in money. They are found only in Jesus. They're found only in Him. True happiness. 
True significance, true security is only found in Him. Money can't meet your deepest needs. More money won't help your kids get off drugs. More money won't help you love your spouse more. More money won't help you feel more secure in this world. More money won't give you more peace. One of the first books I read in primary school was a book called The Pearl. I don't know if any of you read it, but we were forced to read it. And it's weird, I didn't enjoy it, but man, it's one book that the, the message of that book has stuck with me ever since I read it. And it's this man who found a pearl. And this pearl was worth a lot of money. And he was from a very poor, impoverished village. And he told everyone he found this pearl and how it was going to change his life. The trouble is now everyone wanted the pearl. And so now there's all this stuff that went along with finding this pearl. And at the end of the story, alert, spoiler, he throws the pearl into the ocean because in the end it caused more harm than good. I thought, wow, it's just a biblical metaphor right there. We chase money, hoping it's going to help us in areas money was not designed to help us, only Jesus. Are you with me? Paul not only addresses the desire, the deception, but he also looks at the result, and that is the destruction. He said, there are many who have been plunged into ruin. He goes on to say that some have even wandered from their faith. And I've got to be honest with you. As a pastor and as a person who's been involved in Christendom for some 35 years, I, I've seen a lot of people fall into the trap and ultimately, ultimately lose their faith, lose their trust and lose their joy. Discontentment, get this, makes rich people poor. And contentment can make anybody rich. That's why in the third world, you'll see more often than not a lot more happiness and a lot more joy where people have less than we do here in the Western world. Taylor was, uh, had the incredible privilege just recently of going to Papua New Guinea. And as often happens, we go over there as Westerners with our gifts and talents to bless the villages that we go to. And Taylor came back much as I expected she would because it's the same way I come back every time I go to a third world context. And it's the same way everyone comes back when they come back from a third world context is this notion that I was there to bless them, but I got more blessed because I saw that they had a greater level of joy than me and they didn't have much at all. We've been to places where people play football or soccer, but they don't have a football and they don't have a soccer ball. They have a cardboard box and they don't have soccer boots. They don't even have shoes. They just run around barefoot kicking a box and kicking up the dust and have the time of their lives. Why? Not because they have money, but because they have contentment. And contentment makes every person rich. Are you with me today? And so Paul is very clear that the desire for money will deceive you and will ultimately destroy you. But he doesn't leave it there. He gives his readers, of which we are that today, an opportunity to decide to make a good choice. If this is true, what are we left with? And, and I sense Paul saying, I'm glad you asked. And so let's read on in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. 
Paul, having established this foundation, like hopefully I've tried to do with you today, on this foundation, he says this. Now, this is, this is what you are to do. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Can, uh, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, you will lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of that life that is truly life. What does Paul say? He gives a command to the rich. And again, this is one of those little moments in time where we have an opportunity to let ourselves off the hook yet again. Because if we conclude we're not rich, we don't have to listen to the rest of it. Would that be fair to say? But before we dismiss ourselves from the challenge that Paul brings, can I just address what rich truly is? If you have an iPhone or an Android phone in your pocket right now, or you're holding some device that is worth hundreds and in some case thousands of dollars, you are wealthier than most of the world because the cost of that device is equal to a full year's wage in many countries. Are you with me? Still love me? That's to assume you did love me in the first place. I'm just assuming that. If you own a car, you're in the top 9% of the world's wealthiest people. If you have running water... A house, food, clothes, transport. You are in the top 5% of people in the world. Church, you are blessed. Church, you are rich. Church, Paul is addressing you as he is addressing me. Because we are rich. And he says, command those that are rich. So I, along with Paul today, are commanding you because you are rich. As I'm commanding me because I am rich to do three things. The first one is to do good as the band come up. Do good. When it comes to how we live our lives, let's do good. He says, not only that, but let's be rich in good deeds and let's be generous on every occasion and then you'll find life true life not just existence but you'll find purpose and at this church we desire to see people find God to find a local church and to discover their purpose and Paul is saying if you who are rich will do these three things do good be rich in good deeds and be generous on every occasion you will come into a life that you've never known before uh, Jesus called it the abundant life the life with a capital L life to the max it's the enemy that comes to kill steal and destroy but Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full And so every day we have an opportunity to be able to be a blessing, to be generous and to do good in your school, in your workplace, in the shopping malls that you frequent, in the coffee shops that you frequent, you have an opportunity to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous on every occasion. Belonging to a local church is an incredible opportunity to do good and to be generous and to get involved. You know, 
every week the offering buckets go by and we have an opportunity to give first to God because that's what Christianity is all about. It's a surrendered life. It's an opportunity for us to give to Him. And when that bucket goes by, it signifies where our heart is. If we don't want to put in, it tells us where our heart is. If we can't afford to put in, it tells us where our heart is. If we can't afford to tithe and give back to God, it says we're using too much money elsewhere. It's an incredible test is the tithe. And I thank God that there are these disciplines in the Word of God because it holds me accountable to my evil, to my greed, to my selfishness. And I thank God that the things in the Word of God that don't let me get away with my selfishness, my greed and my evil tendencies from time to time. We have an opportunity not only to give when it comes to our regular weekly giving, but when it comes to our legacy, as I mentioned prior to this message today, we have an opportunity to say, how can we be a blessing? See, Paul is saying money's not bad, but money's not all about you. Money is a tool to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous on every occasion. And this principle goes beyond just money. Can I just say that? Do you know one of the problems in church today is people are leaving churches in their droves because they are sick of being used by the church. They're sick and tired of being burnt out and asked to do too much. And, and I would have to say that that is a massive problem. But if we're going to talk about the problem, can we just at least look at the root issue of that problem? It's be fair to say that some of the burnout has to come because there are so few who choose to serve. Can you imagine if everybody got on a roster and everybody chose to serve, then those that are burning out and struggling would actually have rest. I think some people are burning out and giving up on God and giving up on the church, aren't over church, they're just tired. And we have an opportunity to come alongside and to do good and to be rich in good works and just volunteer and serve. Do you know these precious people up here, they've blessed us today. Would you not agree? They've blessed us today. Can we please put our hands together one more time? But they didn't get here at 10 o'clock. And, and like some of you, they didn't get here at 10.30. They were here at 7.30. They were here at 7.30. To be a blessing, to serve, to worship, and to lead us into His presence this morning. We have people in the cafe who are here at a similar time, preparing the coffee machines and, and making sure toilets are clean. And, and we have people that park our cars and they don't just rock up when you rock up. They're here early. And we have an opportunity to come alongside them and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you a break. I want to be rich in good deeds. And, and, and then you'll come into what Paul calls the life that is really life. See, life is not meant to be lived in a selfish way. Life is not meant to be lived in a way that's all about you. It's actually about others. It was Jesus Christ who hung upon the cross and He didn't do that for Himself. In actual fact, He was challenged by the onlookers to come down off the cross he was challenged by the mockers when they said, you who say uh, you can save others, why don't you come down and save yourself? And that's just the point. Had Jesus saved himself, he wouldn't have saved me and he wouldn't have saved you. He was living with others in mind. And while this money addresses, uh, while this uh, subject, this, while this message addresses money, the issue is not money, the issue is godliness. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 